Welcome to Brillante, the podcast with a French accent which gives a voice to women who move the lines. My name is Jeanne Dussartel, and between Zurich, where I live, and Paris, where I come from, my goal is to meet the sparkling, powerful, talented and inspiring women with atypical backgrounds and beautiful projects, to understand what drives them and makes them move forward. Discussions that I hope will encourage you to think outside the box, cross your boundaries and develop your own brilliant projects. Nina Müller is the CEO of Yelmoli, Switzerland's oldest department stores and certainly one of Zurich's best-known institutions. A leader is an authentic person, is somebody who stays true to herself or to himself, is very close to the employees and is also aware of deficiencies or uh, weaknesses that you have and if you are being authentic people believe you and people are able to approach you and I think this is important especially in times like now we need to be very close to our employees we need to be here for them we need to listen to them we need to guide them the native Austrian took up her post in April 2020 right in the middle of the first lockdown a more than complicated timing, which did not, however, dampen her optimism and passion for retail. Before taking the helm of this almost 200-year-old house, Nina Müller worked in several beautiful premium luxury houses all over Europe, including Woolford, Mandarina Duck, Zarovsky and Christ. In this discussion, the marketer explains how she shaped her career and how luck, but above all determination, as well as the ability to believe in herself, have enabled her to get the positions of her dreams. Together, we talk about leadership, but also about diversity and feminism. In certain industry, you still feel you are surrounded by only men in grey or blue suits. <laughs> Some people then add grey hair as well. <laughs> And I think it is about time that this is changing and that uh, there is much more diversity in the management boards because I believe that this is what makes companies successful. Nina Müller also outlines her vision of the future of retail and of department stores such as Yelmoli, which she believes should become places of exchange and encounter where infotainment is key. The discussion is rich, optimistic, and definitely makes you want to go for a thrall in one of these beautiful European department stores. But I won't tell you more and let you discover my discussion with Nina Müller. Dear Nina, thank you very much for accepting my invitation. I'm super happy to have you on Brillante today. Super happy to talk about Yelmoli, your position as a CEO of Yelmoli, about the situation now, of course, that is really peculiar. But to start with, I always like to ask the same question. What did you think when you heard this name, Brillante, for the first time? And uh, what is it for you to be brilliant? I love uh, the word brillant, uh, brilliant, brilliant. I think it is very uh, sparkling and inspiring. I used to work uh, many years for Swarovski, so everything was about brillance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, for me, it has a very, very positive connotation and it means it is something fascinating, inspiring, sparkling. 
so it's a very positive connotation. Exactly. And do you have an example of a sparkling woman, someone that has been inspiring you, that you would like to tell me about? I think there are more and more women that are really sparkling. And, and there are many. And uh, there was a, a video sent around uh, a couple of weeks ago on brilliant women leading big companies, countries, organizations. So, and I think uh, the vast amount of brilliant women is now is fascinating for me. Definitely one of, uh, of the latest brilliant women is Kamala Harris. I think uh, her move and her appearance in public is, is, is amazing and of course she's inspiring uh, worldwide. Yeah, I think she's, she's definitely one figure for the world yes. now. She became really someone. But I'm happy that she's uh, one of many and the, the, the women in, in very public positions where they can move something, where they can inspire and change uh, the world <laughs> or organizations the way we think. Uh, that is really great. Very nice. So I would like to understand a bit more who you are and where do you come from. So can you tell me a bit where were you raised and born and how was it to be raised mm -hmm. there? I was uh, raised and born in, in Austria, uh, just on the border to Switzerland, mm -hmm. uh, in Feldkirch, which is uh, a small town in the middle of the Alps. I was raised and I'm very thankful for that in, in a wonderful family. My parents uh, were together and uh, married for f more than uh, 54 years and um, in a beautiful family environment and a very safe environment. I grew up in a beautiful house, so mm -hmm. I got used to nice things very early in my life and I got uh, to appreciate beautiful things togetherness with the family mm -hmm. and um, and of course uh, I guess my deepest value come from that time yeah. you would say that your parents have been teaching you the, the beauty yes in the end. I would say so yes yeah. definitely beauty and uh, also yes this togetherness open conversations good food cooking together <laughs> that is how I grew up yes enjoying life yes enjoying life later on you've been moving quite a lot You've been studying also in Milano. You've been living in London, now in Zurich, also in Vienna. Um, but that was your, your home country. Where do you feel at home now? Um, I feel at home now in, in Zurich. I, I love to be here. I'm in Zurich since uh, more than 15 years. So I love to be here. But I feel I always, I always say I'm a true European citizen. So mm -hmm. I do... I do feel at home also when I go back to London, when I go back to Milan and I have my, and especially Vienna where I have lived, not just once, but a couple of times I moved back to Vienna. So I was always uh, torn uh, towards other countries and I enjoyed living abroad a lot. But now I'm happy to be here. So it, it feels right. good to be settled down. It's a nice place. So you've been studying business administration. Mm -hmm. You started in Vienna and then you went to Milan to the Bocconi for your master's. You've been also joining this famous organization, SEMS. Mm -hmm. So it's, you are already part of the, I guess, kind of the elites, the good students. Can you tell me a bit why did you choose to study business? And yeah, what was interesting you there? And were you already sure that you would like to have such a big position in the company? Like you have now at Yelmoli? Uh, I guess no. When I start, when I decided to study business, no, I did not think uh, that far ahead. 
I was torn towards the business because I really enjoyed, I was interested in marketing and business. I was together with my father watching uh, advertising on TV and discussing brands. And I was really torn towards that. And I was very interested by that. For me, it was clear. I also loved to, I enjoyed always staying in different countries and uh uh, at that time already, I was uh, educated in English, French, and, and and Italian. So I wanted to make use of my languages. So I knew I wanted to be in an international place as well. So international business administration for me was clear. And it was also clear the move to Vienna. Um, I could have studied uh, closer in St. Mm -hmm. Gallen or in, uh, in Innsbruck. But for me, it was clear I want to move away from my small hometown into a big city. So St. Gallen was closer than uh, Vienna from your home? Oh, much more, yes, because uh, Vienna is on the other side of Austria, so it's about uh, 700 kilometers. Uh -huh. And uh, from my hometown to St. Gallen is about 30 minutes drive. Okay. Although that school is amazing and, and one of the best schools worldwide, for me, I was really, my decision was uh, done by by the location and I wanted to be, I wanted to travel away and find and explore a new environment that was already clear at that time. And to being in, in a big city also, I guess yes. it's quite, yes. it was quite nice. It was nice. It was just, it was a very different uh, way of life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I realized I enjoyed it a lot. And at the university with the, the three languages and obviously my focus on international studies brought me then into Zems and mm -hmm. I was able to uh, spend a year or half a year in Bocconi and... Um, get to know Milan, experience a different culture, a different way of uh, studying at that time. And yeah, that was uh, the beginning of my international uh, career. This is the nice thing about SEMS is that it creates kind of a community across around Europe and you can travel in so many nice universities mm -hmm. uh, to study business. Mm -hmm. Have you been using this network afterwards? Uh I still have close friends from that time. They live now in different parts of the world, but mm -hmm. we're still close friends. But honestly, I, I was never such a good networker. And the same network has then uh, has evolved after because I was at, at the very beginning and it has evolved afterwards. And now I, I kind of uh, follow it, but I'm not very active, I have to say. What do you mean by being a good networker <laughs> or being a bad networker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that is a, that's a good question. For me, networking always had a, a negative mm -hmm. connotation mm -hmm. with it. I found out only a couple of years ago that it actually it's, it's nothing bad about, but it is something that is uh, inspiring, that helps you in situations. You can also help others by networking. And uh, when I found that out, that was, uh, that was only about 10 years ago when, uh, when I was in, in Swarovski, just uh, moving on to my next job. That, that's when I realized it's good to have a network. It's good to exchange with others. And uh, there's really nothing bad about it. But at, my, at the very beginning of my career, I was focused on myself um, mm -hmm. and on the jobs and, of course, the colleagues at work and the partners outside the company, business partners outside the company. Yeah, yeah because my, one might think that uh, networking is just about asking the other something or being asked for something, but yeah. it's also just to create connections or that are... Not driven by a specific goal in the beginning. Yes, exactly. And that, that can yeah. just be fruitful yeah. over time. Um, do you know how ambitious you were at the time? Can you remember when you were finishing your studies? 
And what was your idea of making a career back then? For me, it was always important to work for a company where I can connect to. The choice to, to join a company was not actively a career choice. I remember after my studies, there was one company I wanted to work for. I was sure I wanted to go abroad. Mm -hmm. And there was one company where I said, okay, I would do an exception and stay in Austria. This was Wolfort. So I applied uh, at Wolfort and I got the job. I was so is fascinated. It, is it Austrian? It's Austrian, yes. It's, okay. It is from Regens. It's actually also uh, just right on the border to... Next to your home. To, to my home, yeah. yeah. So there was exactly this one company where I said, okay, I, I try to go abroad, but if I'm able to land in uh, Wolfort, then I do that. And th that happened. And so that, that's how I started my career, and um, which is actually a red thread through my life. I think I was very lucky to always find companies where I could relate to, where I, where I had a strong emotional bonding already from the very beginning or even before the start. Was it your love for beauty? Was it your love for, I, I don't know, like beautiful products, well-made, yes. luxury? Yes. What is it exactly? How would you describe um, it? I, in Wolford, it was definitely was the beauty of the product, the beauty of the communication. Mm -hmm. It's a handcrafted, it was, was handcrafted for me, very, very high quality product. And uh, the story and the history behind it the connectivity to the country, the origin, the made in, made in Austria at that time, all this together. But from a marketing point, this experience marketing, they were one of the first that had really worldwide event marketing very strong in their DNA. And uh, that was for me fascinating at that time. That's, that's mm -hmm. what you were doing, actually, there, marketing? I, I marketing? joined the marketing department, but I was, uh, I was in charge for the Italian market. Mm -hmm. So I was like the market coordinator for Italy. And then I had the chance to move from headquarters to Milan again. So yeah. then I then spent some time in ah, Milan. So you came back to Milan. Yeah. And you did your first experiences, actually, in marketing, sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know, when working in, in such a sector as you, like... I don't know how you describe it, but maybe premium luxury fashion. Mm -hmm. How important is the marketing? And how much has this knowledge in marketing been helping you through your career? Mm. I think marketing is important, not just in, in the premium luxury business. Marketing is anything even. It's about ourselves no? in the end. It's about your personal yeah. marketing. And I was always fascinated by this added value that you give through the good marketing to a product. What we are selling and what we are consuming is much more than a product. Mm -hmm. It is a whole aura about this product. And I think this is the beautiful thing in premium luxury, creating this aura and creating or creating an experience around the product, a brand or a house like we're talking now about uh, Yelmoli. This is just fascinating. And uh, there are so many buttons to press so many things that are continuously changing. Consumers are changing, habits are changing, priorities are changing, and it is marketing is continuously evolving. But it always, for me, it stays something very, very, very important, very fascinating. Do you have an example of something that you did while working in marketing that had an impact? I saw, for instance, that while working at Sarovsky, you were the one that created this crystal forest. Yes. 
would would this be an example of that definitely is one of my favorite examples because it was one of the most beautiful projects so i was very lucky to join uh, Swarovski at a time where they were looking for a new customer experience in their retail stores so i was there at the right time uh, i was uh, given this project to really start from the very very beginning from a, a briefing to the selection of architects uh, uh, to the pitch with the architects to then the elaboration of the concept uh, in test stores uh, around the world and then um, uh, yeah, it rolling was like in it Tokyo out and yes, and yeah. yeah with Tokyo was in Ginza was uh, that was 2008 yeah was the the flagship store mm-hmm. and probably the proper kickoff for the rollout then of Crystal Forest in in Swarovski. And I have to say, I still walk past uh, some Swarovski stores or uh, facades of Swarovski stores. And and uh, it makes me proud and it makes me remember a wonderful time that obviously together with a interesting, uh, wonderful architects and a strong team, we were able to create something that uh, definitely made a huge change for the company as well. You said something, you said that you were really lucky to join the project from from Mm. zero. Do you really think, because I wanted to ask you now a bit about creating your own career path, Mm -hmm. do you really think it was luck? I find it funny (laughs) that successful people, I would say, uh, always talk about luck, but is it really luck? Um, I think it is. It, it's uh, it, yes. It's maybe it's it's more than luck. It is. Um, it's a difficult question. I always say I believe in the right moment, and the right moment is probably more than luck. The the right moment means also you have been traveling towards a situation or towards a new job, or you're you are in a situation where it's right that you are given a certain opportunity. But um, it's also luck. I think it's part of, and I call myself quite lucky, actually. And I think uh, I worship that a lot. Uh, yes, no, I, I think it is, it's not so easy, but it, yes, it's also luck. Like, for instance, I think just four years after starting your career, mm-hmm. you got a position as a managing director for Madarina Duck yeah. in London. Yeah. I guess this was not luck. I guess you have been fighting to get this position, didn't <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, uh, that was it was interesting. I, I moved from Milan to London, and then took uh, worked for a French Connection, uh, an, an English company, for uh, two years, and I got approached by headhunter who who about a job, and then he mentioned the brand Mandarina Duck. Mm-hmm. So for me, in that moment, it was clear I want that job because it was one of the brands that I loved. Uh, it was one of those love brands um, like maybe Walford was at uh, a couple of years earlier and then and this happened to me many many times because I was so clear about this company and that I want to do the job and that I can do the job and I got the job because I was very I I could give the confidence probably to the guys who interviewed me yeah to the HR and um yeah, but then we also have to say, um, because you mentioned managing director, I think we must not be blinded by titles so much because when I did managing director, we were a really small company, a startup company. I was able to really build 
at the beginning with one additional uh, employee, the UK business, mm-hmm. and uh, moved from an agency into a, a subsidiary of Mandarino Duck. So it was a small venture, but it was a, a very startup uh, mentality, and we were able to really create our own world. So it was not managing director of a company that was yeah, uh, 300 like people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 20 people under you yeah. or something like yes, after exactly. four years of experience. Exactly. Yeah, but still, you see, uh, yeah. even a few years after, it still uh, mm. strikes my eyes when yes. I'm watching at your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. yeah. And actually, from what I heard, the story how you got the job at Yelmoli was a bit the same. What exactly yes. what you've been <laughs> telling now, you heard about yeah. this position and you were like, this is for me, yes. right? Yes, that was exactly exactly the same way. I was uh, with uh, Christ and I absolutely enjoyed that job. I also in my head I kind of had in my in my head I was I would do that job for at least uh, five years. And after four years, I read about uh, my predecessor that he was leaving. And uh, the moment I read it, I said, "That's my job." And then. Uh, I was talking to somebody in the Verwaltungsrat. Uh, I said, could I be interesting for such a position for you? So I was encouraged to apply. And then I went through this quite a long process. And throughout the whole process, I was always convinced that I will be able to do that job and that it's exactly the right thing for me. And that, again, helped me, I guess, uh, to convince also SPS, so my current, yeah. my boss and, and the Verwaltungsrat, that I'm the right person. Yeah. I'm going to come back to the fact that you became this society CEO and we are going to talk about a bit more about leadership also. But just, so you've been changing quite often jobs and companies. Um, you don't seem to be agreeing so much, but <laughs> I mean, you've been through Wolford, French Connection, Madarina Duck, Don Gilles, Zarovsky, yeah. Christ, Yelmoli, yeah. still yeah. used still have a panel. Yeah. I guess now you have a, quite a wide knowledge of this sector because you haven't really been changing the sector. Yes. Do you think this has been helping you to jump like this from one job to another, from one company to another? How did you make these choices? Mm. Was it always like the opportunity that you jumped on? Um, no, th- there were different situations. Once I was uh, told by my boss that the, the next position that would be right in my career he cannot give to me because he wants to fill with a man. So I got that answer. I had exactly one night and I was very hurt. And one night to think about it and it was clear for me that I will resign. Because mm-hmm. if I get told that um, a position has to be filled by a man and I can't do the job, for me it was clear that this was the wrong company. Uh, very lucky this was the only time that I was... Um, that I was in such a situation. So you don't want I to made... say which company it was. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is so. There was very clear, and that it's time to move on. Same situation I had after ten years in Surovsky. That it's now time to move on. I was in the in the middle of my forties, and um, I thought, is this everything that I want? Is it really me? Am I? Is that the right business? Do I, am I here to lead uh, people? Is it really? Does it need to be bigger? Do I want to change totally in a different direction? And I took one year of um, time out, and uh, I came to the conclusion that it is exactly what I want. So I like the industry. I still I, I love brands, retail especially, 
and I love people and I love to manage people and to, to create change uh, so together you, with people. So there were... In oh, between your, in, excuse me, in between your 10 years at Zarovsky and, and, and Chris, Chris, you yeah. took one year yes. off. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's not an easy, an easy path. Um, it, I mean, it's not so easy to say because you had a, a really beautiful, I, I don't have your last title exactly at, at Zarovsky. What, what was your last title? Um, I was in charge of a startup, Lola and Grace, a jewelry brand that we created for the younger customers. Yeah. Yes, but I came into a situation there where I thought it's time to leave. Okay. And after 10 years, I left with a good feeling and also a good in, in a good relationship uh, to the company. I still love uh, Zorowski. But it was clear. Um, and I also had the opportunity at that time to say, okay, it's okay if I take one year off. I didn't say exactly 12 months, but I said, I want to have a year off, time out, to use for traveling, for further education, or just for rethinking, as I said, about my own uh, how do you call it, the Standortbestimmung in Deutsch, um, uh, so wh where am I standing in life and where, what do I want to do from now to the next step? So that was, that was uh, looking back, one very, very important year for me. I enjoyed it a lot. It was lo a lot about self-reflection and uh, it was a lot about indulgence and travel and, and, and uh, doing nothing and enjoying that. But then I was, I realized I'm ready to move into the next job. Yeah. To come back on tracks. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you were chosen as a CEO of Christ mm -hmm. then when you came back. And this title CEO, we were talking about titles. Mm -hmm. It's quite, it's quite something. Do you think it's important for companies today to have females in the high management, in the management board? Do you think this image is important? Uh, it should be more than uh, just an image. I think uh, we should get there that you have uh, good female, competent women in leading positions, management level, CEO level, in the Verwaltungsrat. I think it is important that there is more diversity. And in, in certain industry, you still feel you are surrounded by only men in gray or blue <laughs> suits <laughs> with the... Uh, so, some people then add gray hair as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I think skin. it is about time that this is changing and that, that uh, there is much more diversity in the management boards, in the boardrooms, because I believe in diversity, that this is what makes companies successful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What does it bring in a company? Like in a management that is more diverse, what does it bring? I think management, hopefully it brings, but obviously it's not, it's not a guarantee, but hopefully what I believe it brings is um, open uh, and critical discussions, uh, different approaches that you allow, emotions, analytics, everything. And I think this is helping companies to stay alert and to stay on track. And I believe it is necessary to attract also younger employees and younger people that can relate to the company that they are working for. Yeah. Concretely, what did you do now to maybe create more diversity at Yelmoli? Huh. I have to say Yelmoli actually, Yelmoli itself is a, is a quite a diverse team. I, I had, a, when I started here, really, I have to say it was um, welcomed with open arms. At least I had that feeling. <laughs> and, uh, we have a good variety of people. We have uh, 
women, we have young men, we have uh, experienced older men and women. Uh, I would say that we are already quite diverse. Um, we are gender diverse, we are age diverse, sex diverse, diverse. so it is, um, it is already, there is a lot of diversity. So my goal was not how do I make it more diverse, actually the goal is more how do we how do we work with this diversity and how do we uh, get the best out of, out of the people that in the end is then important for us as a company. Do you think that being a woman has been an argument in your favor to become the CEO? I would like to understand what were the arguments mm -hmm. in your favor mm -hmm. and uh, if this specific thing of being a woman has been more important than others, maybe? And in, in this case, how do you react? Mm -hmm. Um, I believe the, the reason why I was chosen for this, for this job is definitely my background, my experience, my know-how that I've gathered in the last years or throughout my career. And on the other hand, the, the passion, the vision that I had and was able to share with, with the company mm -hmm. in my process of application. Um, I hope that I was not chosen just because I am a woman, but uh, I guess they were quite happy that they have found a woman <laughs> to run the to, to run the El Moli. But it was definitely, and I don't think you can put a woman, you can, you can fill a position by saying, it is a woman, that's why I take her. If there is a man that is, has the better qualification and the better background or the better understanding of the business, then it should be the man. Mm -hmm. uh, so I still, I, but of course you hear a lot currently that it's easier for women mm -hmm. to get into boardrooms and to get into management and to become a CEO because companies need to catch up. As I said, I believe that being a woman by itself is not enough to get into those positions and should also not be enough to get into those positions. So these remarks have never been disturbing you. I'm asking you this because the last CEO that I interviewed mm -hmm. was Alize de Tonac. She's uh, the CEO of a company called Seedstars based, based in Geneva. Mm -hmm. And she is the co-founder of this company that was yeah, created in 2013 with three other men. And she was chosen as a CEO. And of course, she received many times this, this um, yeah. allegation that she was chosen because of being a woman. And this affected her a lot. And uh, we can feel that she, she's extremely brilliant and she mm -hmm. knows what she's doing. But despite all this, she was like personally affected by these mm -hmm. remarks. For you, you've, have you always been stronger than this? More self-confident maybe? Yes, uh, maybe. And I think also that is what you, what you need to be in such a situation. You need to trust yourself and you need to be confident enough. Mm -hmm. And I think... After hearing also uh, about her qualifications, I think we need to learn to trust in us, stay true to ourselves and be confident enough. I think at the same time, of course, let's stay humble as well because we don't want to get arrogant with that. But we need to be confident in what we have achieved. And in that case, there was also the reason why I believe I was chosen is because I was convinced that I'm the right person with my experience for that job. Mm -hmm. Of course, There are others out there and others, they do other things better than it. But as a whole, this is Nina and this is what she brings. And uh, yes, maybe I'm 
confident. I'm, don't not, get disturbed. It's not a bad thing to be confident <laughs> at I, all. I, and so it does not disturb me, but I don't like the fact that people try to downsize you and make you small because people who comment like that, their intention is to make you small. Mm -hmm. And there, if we have the right confidence, we don't let ourselves to be made small. So you are now a real leader. What do you think is a good leader? <laughs> I think a good leader, um, I use a word that is maybe overused already, but uh, for me it is still valid. A leader is an authentic person, is somebody who stays true to herself or to himself, is very close to the employees Mm -hmm. And he's also aware of deficiencies or uh, weaknesses that you have or weak situations that you sometimes can be in. Yes, it's authentic. And if you are being authentic, people believe you and people are able to approach you and they come to you. And, and I think this is important. We need to be close, especially in times like now. We need to be very close to our employees. We need to be here for them. We need to listen to them. We need to guide them. So that for me is a good leader. That does not mean that you don't need to be clear in what is your vision, where you want to go to and be able to break down this vision into clear targets and create this common picture on where you want to go to. But I think from a person point of view, yes, I believe what is important is being authentic. So whenever you are made doing a mistake or when you are not sure about something, you dare to say it. Yes. <laughs> For me, it's easier to say I've made a mistake or I was not aware than uh, to get that feedback from somebody else. <laughs> but even I think in both situations, even if, if, if I am not aware, but I get the feedback, I think we should appreciate that and take it as an opportunity to learn and to move on and to do things better in the next time you are in the same or in a similar situation. So... Um, Yes, no, I think that is very important also to be quite self-critical because we don't, we are not always performing 100%. We don't always make the right decision. We don't always, so uh, we are human. In the end, we are human. And that's why it's, uh, yes, it's important to also uh, be able to admit that you have misjudged a situation or you have uh, underestimated something or overestimated. And important is that you learn and move on. About learning and uh, improving in the end, I guess this is a big challenge for the CEO, especially in your situation now when you arrive at Yelmoli in the, in the middle of the lockdown, you need to be able to move on and to, mm -hmm. to really adapt. How do you do this? How, I think also you need with to, your teams, what is your yeah. relation with your teams? Yeah. To I think for, for the CEO, it is important to be able to make decisions, to clearly communicate decisions and 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 stick to that, not be hyperactive. How can you come to those clear decisions? You come through the, to, to that together with your team. So I think what is, and that's what I also said earlier, I think what is very important to have a critical exchange, critical approach toward things, open discussions, to then come to a conclusion and say, let's do that, let's stick to that. You don't know always what to do but uh, I have a very nice example that touched me a lot and made me very proud when we went into lockdown the first time 
everybody you you arrived in the middle of the lockdown. I, I arrived actually it was before i arrived i was already involved in the decision to uh, mm-hmm. keep the food market open but it was uh, 15 days before i started in the middle of march there was the lockdown and i started on the first of april Officially, I started. Inofficially, I was already involved in the decision makings and I was already helping out on a Saturday in the food market. And I remember when we had to take this decision to keep part of our store open, we were all kind of paralyzed and in in a shock because nobody could grab this situation. Corona, we didn't know how how difficult, how how dangerous, why should some people come to work and others can stay at home. So it was a very, very, it was a shock-free situation at the very beginning. We now went again into lockdown a couple of weeks ago and I was amazed how the management team and then everybody else reacted. It was the communication from, from the BAG, immediate meeting, discussions on how to move it and we managed to create the last three open days in in a very good way. Uh, we were had to make decisions on markdowns and everything, and how do we deal with it. We were preparing the reopening on Monday, and we were able, and we started and opened the house with uh, our kitchen department, or part of our kitchen departments in the food market. Uh, we have our underwear, because we're allowed to sell underwear, underwear and uh, papeterie. And the whole team was working on creative ideas, how to implement everything, including obviously always the, the security and the safety concepts that by now we, we handle <laughs> We handle very easily. So it was very cool how, and this is not me as a one person, it is us as a team. But then you as a CEO, obviously, you have to stick to the decisions that you together as a team take. And um, sometimes it's necessary that you, you as a CEO, obviously, make the final decision, but that you stick to it and explain also to the other people in the company why you're doing certain things. I read some articles about, like, you've been interviewed many times about this topic, like the lockdown and this full situation mm-hmm. in 2020. And uh, what I read was always really optimistic. Mm-hmm. You seem to be quite an optimistic mm-hmm. leader. And I guess this was something that you brought to the company mm-hmm. and also that helped everyone working here that actually everything is possible despite the situation. Yeah. Do you keep now this mentality even after the, the second lo- lockdown and now mm-hmm. the situation is still very complicated we we are so insecure about the, the future how do you do to keep this optimism and do you do you still have it deeply inside of you um i'm lucky i think i'm born optimist i was always i was always uh, able to focus on the good things in life on on the positive sides uh, of life and uh, and that was definitely something that my parents uh, gave brought me along or gave me along mm-hmm. um i have to say um it is tiring the situation at the moment is tiring. And of mm-hmm. course, I would love to have the whole house open and our new stores at the at the circle, having them open, uh, being able and the, to... The, just to explain, the circle is this this uh, second store that you opened in next to the airport. Yes, exactly. In, in November 2020. So that yes. was quite a difficult time. Beautiful again. houses, one sports house, one lifestyle house. Amazing for us also after many, many years adding to our main department store here in, in Bahnhofstrasse, adding again two or actually three other stores 
at the airport. And yes, of course, it is tar- We would love to be open. We would all love to. All our employees, they enjoy being in the store. They don't want to be at home, not being able to serve their customers. So it is a difficult situation. And yes, sometimes uh, um, I remain optimistic to your question, but sometimes it is tiring. And I really hope that we're getting out of this situation because obviously we miss a lot of things. We miss also not just here in, in Yelmoli. I think it is in our private life we just miss easy exchange social life and everything so yeah i'm still optimistic but it's it's also tiring for me as well yeah i guess and how do you see the future of department stores like now we are we are talking a lot about the future of travel future Mm -hmm. of tourism but uh, retail is also going to change a lot Mm -hmm. and i guess is also right now evolving a lot with uh online shops i know that you are creating your online shop that is going to be released in a, in a few weeks mm-hmm. that was not really developed until then mm-hmm. um, what are the challenges of this retail industry and this maybe a premium luxury industry that you know so well yeah i think the the, the challenge is obviously if you look back in the last years the the frequency to the stores and the frequency also in the inner cities has has changed and has gone down and uh, digital shopping has become more important Nevertheless, I think the current situation, and I can say that from the first lockdown and the reopening after the lockdown, the current situation has also showed that the physical contact or the exchange with people, or exchange with people on the shop floor, with our sales people is important. You are not made to be home and just to communicate via or with your computer or your tablet. I think we are made to go outside, to exchange, to feel and touch, to, yes. And that's why we, we're suffering so much at the moment, because we are proven to do that mm-hmm. at the moment. So I believe there will be actually a revival of the brick and mortar uh, stores, but we need to do things differently, obviously, in the future. And uh, I believe, uh, if I think of Yelmoli for me, me and my team, we're working on creating this much more Yelmoli as a place to meet, to exchange, of course, to shop, but also to indulge. We are having 12 restaurants and we are currently we're working on improving a lot of our food experiences as well. We are also bringing in people to discuss. So it's also about infotainment that we want to have here in our store. We had a plat- we had um, podium discussions with uh, Sandra Stella Treble from the Ladies dri- Drive. We had wonderful 200 women in the store and an interesting podiums discussion with her. We had with Olga Miller, a fascinating lady of, uh, who is uh, starting her business on finance, a smart purse. She was here. We had a discussion here. So you also had my my guest uh, Rafaela Piesler. Yes, uh, who did the house of change like exactly. in January? See, exactly. So currently we do a lot. We do digitally. Hopefully we will do a lot of those things again on our shop floor or in our restaurants. I want to. So it's more about bringing more experience in the yes, shop. Yes, more experience. Also, pop up stores, different brands, changing brands, and that is what is the beauty about Yelmoli as well. Yelmoli is such an, a fixed place in the middle of Zurich. It is the department store with the longest tradition in in Switzerland and um, it belongs to Zurich. So it is now just our task to 
keep it lively, engaging, and uh, inspiring. And that is an amazing task. <laughs> Do you have uh, some department stores across the world or across Europe that are inspiring you? Yeah, I love, and I always did that, and I used to work with them. I, I love Selfridges. I think they are really great and inspiring in how they do the business, how they communicate, their marketing approach, their approach to topics, social topics, to the topic of sustainability, to um, being an employer brand. I think it is, that that is definitely, a, a, it has to be the first one for me to mention. But then, of course, there are so many beautiful, Le Bon Marché is my, My favorite in Paris. It's my favorite too. Yes, it is, <laughs> it is, it is just, uh, it, it's amazing. Their art installations, their um, curated assortment and just this amazing building. Uh, mm -hmm. It is, uh, mm -hmm. so I miss, I miss traveling a lot. So I haven't been to Selfridges and to Beaumarchais for many, many months. So I can't wait to jump back on the train or on the plane to visit those places yeah, again. I understand. So we are not now moving to the final questions. Yes. I think I know the answer, but are you a feminist? <laughs> uh, you're funny. Uh, I fight for gender equality and I support women and I try to enable women and, and, I, uh, and I, tr I tell them, be confident and trust in yourself. Uh, does it mean that I'm a feminist? Is it is this <laughs> not being a feminist? <laughs> That's why. Yes, of course. Yes. No, I think you are. Yes. Mm -hmm. And to what extent? Because I know that you don't have children. Mm -hmm. To what extent is it possible, in your opinion, to manage a family and a career at the same time? Do you think this this freedom that you might have has been helping you? I guess so, because I highly appreciate every woman that is able to manage a career and her family, her kids at the same time, because I think that is not so easy. And I hope that a lot of things will change that it makes it easier and that uh, it, it will make that easier also. But yes, in my, in my opinion, of course, if you are free in your decisions to move, it, it, it help, it, it's easier. Yes, mm -hmm. but yeah. Do you have like a moment that was more difficult than others in your life? Like lowest point of motivation, something something that was really difficult that you would like to share, maybe that you've been learning from? Yeah, that time out that I took after my many years at, at Swarovski, there I had some moments where I really was uh, questioning a lot myself and uh, the purpose of me and on the purpose of the next job that I do. And, uh, but I think those moments are uh, very, very important to move on because uh, it is these moments where you also self-reflect and question what you're doing, how you're doing it, that they bring you on. So it was uh, not the lowest moment, but it was a moment where I also was uh, struggling uh, and uh, it was good to struggle for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and, How did you do to find your purpose then? I have to say I had, um, I had a, I was uh, exchanging with my coach. Uh, I used to work with her for, for a time in my business life. And, and we, we, we discussed also in that time out time. And I had a lot of dear friends and ex-colleagues where I was able to have open discussions and admit also how I feel and my doubts. 
So um, I remember one situation when I said, you know what, I don't even know whether I'm a good leader or not. I don't think I can lead people. And then my my friend looked at me and he said, are you totally nuts? Mm. <laughs> if somebody can inspire people and lead people, it's you. So stop questioning, doubting you. And I will never forget his words. And, and it was very important. And I can only recommend in a situation where you doubt, uh, share it with the people that you know are they, going to help they, you. they are going to help you and they they are interested in uh, in supporting you yeah because that's how you grow you get out of the situation as a much stronger and uh, even more confident and person. now you are, you are not working anymore with a coach uh, currently not no but i still have got those friends that i ex uh, exchange myself i guess this is always useful yeah um and today what does success mean in your opinion, success is when you reach your goals, when you're happy in your position. And in my situation, it means also you're doing something where you can move something and where you can inspire people. If you were a man for 24 hours, what would you do? <laughs> I really don't want to be a man for 24 <laughs> hours. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> what are you scared of? I think I'm very lucky not to be scared of um, actually I'm not a scared person I trust that uh, things turn out like they should turn out I trust a lot in myself and my ability to deal with uh, with the difficult situations so I don't so you're not scared no and what are you proud of I'm proud of how we currently manage the situation in this difficult time me I uh, we I mean the Yelmoli team, and every single one in the team at the moment. Very nice. And my last question, <laughs> who would you like to listen to in this podcast? Do you have a recommendation, a woman that I should interview? Um, a woman that definitely uh, would fit into your podcast is Olga Miller. She was interviewing me last, uh, last time, and uh, she is a very inspiring woman, and I think she would add a lot of value to your podcasts as well very nice idea thank you very much nina it was a pleasure to talk to you thank you and to have all your insights yeah thank you thank you, you for having me it was my first podcast <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of love for the future thank you thanks to you who listened to this episode until the end if you liked it and if you want to help me grow brilliant, it's very simple. Just subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform and share it with as many people around you as possible or on your social networks. This is really a great help for me. Merci à toi et à bientôt sur Brillante.